I just love the Word. I love the Word. I've been a student of the Word for quite a while. But it reminds me of a Shakespearean actor who was on stage and he was... He's, he was, he's been to all the schools. He knew how to con- manipulate the crowd and bring them to their feet. So in his ending, in his close, he began with Psalm 23. If you are familiar with Psalm 23, David is being pursued by his own son because Absalom is... He wants to kill him and take the throne. He's not very far away. He's a few miles away. David pens these words and the Shakespearean actor gets up on stage and begins to quote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now think about David and the pressure he's under. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he had finished, the crowd stood on their feet, gave him a standing ovation. Old gentleman on the front walked up to the Shakespearean actor, said, that was pretty good, but let me do it. And he's almost offended because this guy's never been to school. He's just an old gentleman who wanted to quote Psalm 23. Finally, he relented and said, go ahead. He stood up and he began to quote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he goes on and on and finishes all the, pro, all the pronouns. My, I, and me is 17, I believe. When he finishes, the people are in tears. They're on their feet. They're giving him a standing ovation, and they're in tears. And the Shakespearean actor said, I don't understand. I've been to the best schools. I know how to articulate words, and I know how to move the crowd but I've never seen anything like this. What is your secret? He said, well, sir, you know the psalm, but I know the shepherd. So it makes a difference if you know the shepherd, right? I'm grateful for the word because I know the shepherd. I know the one who penned these words. And tonight I want to talk a little bit about some things that are dear to my heart. When I think about Isaiah 59, It speaks of covenant. If you want to turn there, we talked a little bit about that today at Mount Nebo, but I want to get a little deeper tonight. In Isaiah 59, 800 years before Jesus shows up, Isaiah is one of the prophets who speaks, looking across the prophetic peaks of time, and he sees the Savior. 
He sees Jesus under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He knows he's, he's coming. So verse 19, he said, now I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic. So as the result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream which the breath of the Lord drives. He shall come as the Redeemer to Zion and to those in Jacob, Israel, who turn from transgression, says the Lord, as for me, this is my covenant or league with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is upon you and who writes the law of God inwardly on the heart and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouths of your true spiritual children or out of the mouths of your children's children, says the Lord from henceforth and forevermore. When you read that passage, it's my favorite part is when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, I want you to look over with me to Isaiah 49. Beginning in verse 24, I'm going to read this from the Passion. Verse 24, he says, Who can snatch the prey from the hands of the mighty warrior or rescue captives from a conqueror? But Yahweh says, you know, God is not his name, right? God is a word that was placed there by the translators, but his name is Yahweh. We know him as Abba, Papa, Father. So he says, The prey will be freed from the mighty warrior. The captives will be rescued from a conqueror, for I will fight with those who fight with you. And I myself will save your children. I will cause the violence of your oppressors to come back upon them, and your enemies will kill one another in a killing frenzy. All the earth will know that I am Yahweh, your Savior, your kinsman, Redeemer, the mighty hero of Jacob's tribes. The my, do you understand you have a champion, a warrior, creator, and his delight is in you? You know, you hear, you hear me talk, I can't help it. Religion really did some emotional stuff with me. Because I could never seem to measure up to the standard that I was taught that I had to do something to get God to love me. (laughs) But I discovered that he don't need any any performance. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I want to say something that may cause some, I don't care, religious people to get really bent out of shape. He's not looking for performance and he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for permission. He just wants permission. When you, when you think about the will of God, there's, there's a couple of things about the will of God. First of all, remember he came out of the Mount of, uh, the Mount of Beatitudes after he preached the Sermon on the Mount and he met a leper. And the leper asked Jesus a question after the people had scattered, 
because they, they knew he was a leper. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus, I believe he said it with great enthusiasm. He said, I will, behold. And he touched him. The religiously, by, by the law, anyone who touched the leper became unclean. But you understand, Jesus knew that what he had wouldn't get on him. In contrast, Jesus knew what he had would get on him. And he was immediately made whole. Then the second question, he asked Bartimaeus, remember Bartimaeus is sitting by the, he's the son of Timaeus, that's what Bartimaeus means, the son of Timaeus. He's sitting by the highway side and Jesus is coming, he hears him coming but he can't see him. And he runs up to him, he, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he goes up to Jesus, calls him over. And one of the beautiful parts about this is he throws his garment aside because anyone who was blind had to wear a garment representing their, their malady or their infirmity so people could give them special attention. But when he, Jesus called him, he stood up and threw his garment aside. He knew he'd never need that again. And here's the question. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Come on, I believe the Father would say to us tonight, what do you want me to do for you? It's amazing. So when you think about the day we're living in, right? We, we all have complications in our life. There are those moments that, that life just becomes complicated, right? Like the snowman. You heard what the... She heard me talk about it today. You know, you know what the one-armed snowman said, right? I'm never playing fetch with that dog again. <laughs> it was complicated, right? It was complicated. <laughs> Asked my wife a question at home. I said, what has five toes, but it's not your foot? She said, I don't know. I said, I said my foot. <laughs> she said, you've, you've been, you, he, she told me I'd been spending too much time. But I love life. I love life. I, I love life because this life is a gift, and I don't want to waste a moment. And I want to make a difference in the lives of others because he's made a difference in me. I can tell you, he's made a huge difference in me, and he's given, me, given us life. So I want you to turn over to Galatians 5 with me a moment now. He's called the kinsman redeemer. Do you understand the beginning of Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God. That word is Elohim. God is, it's kind of, if you don't understand, the word is Elohim. That's plural. I believe it was Father, Son, and Spirit. In the beginning, Father, Son, and Spirit created the heavens and the earth. Now, the reason I believe that is because Colossians says in chapter 1, verse 17, that all things were made by him. Now he's talking about Jesus now. For him 
And by him all things consist or are held together. I can tell you there's been moments in my life when, when I wondered where God was. I wondered what was going on and I was, it was complicated because in the struggles, I thought he'd left the building, but he'd never left. He was there the whole time. Even in my darkness, he was there. And I realized that when you think about, let's, we're in Galatians 5, right? Let's look at 5 and 6 real quick. And then we'll go over to Isaiah 40, 31. Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. This is on the coast of uh, not far from the Aegean Sea, from Italy and Athens and all those other places. And the, ch- the seven churches are not far. Paul is in Galatia. He starts a church and he writes a letter to this church because there's some Law keepers, Judaizers, people who believe you couldn't be right with God if you didn't keep the law. We're moving back in to move them out of grace into works, self-effort. And Paul writes this letter, verse 5, he said, But we have the true hope that comes from being made right with God. And by the Spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope when you... When you're joined to the anointed one, circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. Faith works by love. So what does that mean? That means when I discover how much I'm loved, my faith, it's, I, I'm become fearless. Because perfect love casts out fear, right? So let's look over just for a moment. Wait, wait, let's see. Look at verse 9 in Galatians 5 first, and we'll go to Isaiah. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie to enter your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? Now, the, the King James says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you allow a little lie, now you understand when... Adam and Eve were in the garden that they were already created in the image of God. When it says in the beginning, God created heaven and earth and we know the earth was void and without form and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God. There's the spirit moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, there's the word, let there be light. And then we get down to verse 26 and he said, let us, that's plural again. Make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. So we're from Adam to now. We still have the image. And what the enemy wanted to do in the garden, it was not when Eve ate the fruit that was the the first sin. God said, when you eat it, you're going to die because there's something connected to eating from the wrong tree. Here's how the devil did it. He says, when she, he, he said, did God really say that? He knows. He's holding something back from you. He, he's not telling you everything. So he puts him in 
a bad light because that's what the enemy will always do with us. Religion, it can put him in a bad light too. Jesus had to come and appease the anger, anger of his father. I don't believe that. For one moment, it was God in Christ reconciling the world. It was Father, Son, and Spirit coming into our darkness. When he hung on the cross, God didn't turn his back on his son. He was there. He was there. It was God in Christ. Here's, what, here's how I know, because Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm about to go to the cross, but you're all going to leave me. But he said, my father is always with me. Wow. Now, what do you do with that? You have to believe he was there. So when you look at that little lie, the, the devil told Eve, said, he knows when you eat that, you're going to be like God. You know, people are still eating from the wrong tree, right? They're still eating from the wrong tree because they want to be in charge. They want to be in control and they, want to, they think that they have the, the best plan. And I told people all the time, I said, you want to make God chuckle? Tell him what your plans are. And he's pretty much okay with most things we do. But when you're led by the Spirit, he's going to lead you into places you could never imagine as an adventure. It's amazing. You heard me talk about, most of you have heard me talk about no man's land. I, I, I had no clue when I read the book, Your God is Too Safe, that I'd wind up in Kenya traveling with the king of the Messiah, Josiah Musha. Never th- dreamed at midnight, we're at the, we'd ridden, you, if you ride 18 hours in a minivan with the King of the Messiah, it's pretty, it's pretty no, notable. I'll never forget that. But we got at the border. One of the amazing things about that book is the intro talks about no man's land. There's a hundred yard section between Kenya and Uganda where there's no law because Kenya or Uganda takes no jurisdiction And when you cross the border, you could be robbed, you could be beaten, you could even be killed, and nobody would be prosecuted. Nobody would have to answer to it. So we got at the border at midnight, and we we had to walk across. The guy that was in charge of security, Gary Skeen, was with me. He's a little taller than me, but about just a few yards in, I started telling him the story of no man's land. And about the time I finished, he said, thank you for telling me we got 50 yards to go. (laughs) So the the fun part was it was almost deserted. And when we reached, we got over into Uganda, Pastor Wandera Paul was there. And I asked him, I said, "I, I just need to know, did we just cross over? no man's land, and he's got that really cool accent. He said, you did. (laughs) And I said, I'm so glad I did. (laughs) Because he said, it's not like it used to be. He said, now both Uganda and Kenya take jurisdiction. But you understand, the enemy will try to lead you into no man's land where you you don't feel like you belong. Like there's something missing in your life. Come on, somebody. 
He wants to lead you into the lie that God has not given you everything he can to make you question his integrity and his faithfulness. I can tell you he is faithful. He is so faithful. And besides that, he's delighted with you. I want to tell you that he's delighted. He's not disappointed. I'm telling you, so many years I lived my life like God was mostly disappointed with me. Because I just never felt like I measured up to the standard. But I discovered he's never been disappointed with me. My actions have consequences. Sin has actually come from a word, hamartia. It's two words. It means to be without form. To be without a share. To miss the mark. You've heard that probably. But it means more than that. It means to try to become something that God never created you to be. It means living outside the blueprint. And I, tell, I know what it's like to live outside the blueprint. Repentance. Let me tell you about another word. Repentance, right? Repentance was put in the scriptures in the 1200s. It's antiquated. It means to do penance over and over and over and over and over. I don't want none of that. It really comes from a word, hamartia, uh, no, metanoia. Metanoia is a powerful word that means a radical change in the way you think. So I started praying. I said, I said, Lord, heal my thoughts. Holy Spirit, teach me how to think. Now, one of the things that you've probably experienced down through your life, there's a lot of people that want to tell you what to think. It's not, our, it's not our job to tell you what to think. It's the Holy Spirit's pleasure to show us how to think. And we're all different. We all have different gifts and different talents. And he's delighted. Let me give you an example. Isaiah 62, 4. He says, I'm no longer going to call. You don't need to go by the name Forsaken. You don't need to feel abandoned because he don't do abandonment. He said, I'm going to give you a new name. It's called Hephzibah. Hephzibah is a powerful Hebrew word that means my delight is in you. Wow. I never knew that. I never heard that in church. But when I heard it and it began to sink into my heart and I discovered this, this amazing, extravagant father's love all of a sudden, the trappings that I struggled with for years begin to fall away. And the things that, that was skewing and, and, and trying to twist my identity and tell me, God knows, if you do that, you're going to be your own person. I found out that all that was a lie. It was a counterfeit. It was all a counterfeit. Because I, when I come into this knowledge of who he created me to be, I begin to understand Galatians 2.20, right? You've heard that? I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not me living. It's Christ living in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't say I live by the faith in the Son of God. The faith of. What does that mean? I'm living according to what he believes about me. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you, you're amazing. 
You are amazing and you're, you are his delight. And, and, and when we come to that knowledge, you think about, let's go to Isaiah 40, 31. First, I'm going to read it from the Passion, then I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Isaiah 40, 31. Now, now we're going to read some verses above it in a moment, but because it's important for context. But those who entwine their hearts with Yahweh, the word is wait, but wait comes from a, a, a Hebrew word that means to braid. Those who braid their hearts to his. Those who braid their hearts to his. Will experience divine strength. They'll rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles. Run their races without growing weary. And walk through life without giving up. I've been there. I know what it's like to feel like giving up. I know what it's like to be exhausted and to be fatigued. And that's when the enemy will hit you the hardest. When you're exhausted, you have nothing to fight with. But I want to tell you there's good news. Let's uh, look. Let's see. Okay, let's look at verse 25 in the same chapter and we're going to read. From the Amplified Classic. Talks about creation in this chapter. Now, if you have any questions, I want you to be able to do that tonight. This is a good night. It's amazing. So he says, to whom then will you liken me? This is Yahweh talking. That I should be equal to him, says the Holy One. Now he's talking about The life of a, of a person that's like a vapor, right? Men are scarcely planted, scarcely they're sown, scarcely does their stock take root in the earth when the Lord blows upon them and they wither in the whirlwind and tempest takes them away like stubble. Then he says, to whom then will you liken me? That I should be equal to him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these. He's talking about the stars. Not one has failed. Do you know when we wake up in the morning, we see the same sun that Abraham saw? We see the same sun, the same moon, the same stars. They're still hanging in there because he didn't talk, tell them to stop. So he said, who brings out their hosts by number and calls them all by name? The statistics are that we can see with our peripheral vision, we can look up in the sky and we can see as many as 60,000 stars. That's not counting the ones we can't see outside of a peripheral vision. But the Bible said he's called them all into place and gave them a name. He calls them out and calls them by name. 
And, and through the greatness of his might and because he's strong in power, not one is missing or lacks anything. Now we're talking about creation. We're not talking about us yet. Why, O Jacob, do you say and declare, O Israel, my way and my lot are hidden from the Lord? And my right is passed over without regard from my God. He's saying, where are you, Lord? You're not even paying attention to me. You're not even aware of where I am and how exhausted I'm feeling. But watch. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, Yahweh, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Look, look here, here we go. He gives power to the faint. And he gives power to the faint and the weary. And to him who has no might, he increases strength, causes it to multiply and make it to abound. Even youth shall faint. Now, this is like Navy SEALs. Man, they're put, th- they're put through it. And no doubt, at the end of what they call hell week, or whatever the weeks, 11 weeks, or however how many, they've got to be exhausted. But they met, a lot of them make it through. I met a guy named Patrick Park, who was a Navy SEAL. He asked an Army Ranger, He said he was sitting at lunch with him, and and Patrick told me this story. He said, I told my friend I felt like God has forgotten me so many times. And the army ranger, a believer, who'd seen the worst of the worst, but knew salvation, told Patrick, said, Patrick, if he forgot you for a millisecond, if, if, if he overlooked you for a millisecond, you would cease to exist. David said, Lord, how many of your thoughts toward me? (laughs) They're like the sands of the seashore. I can't even count them. Do you understand that that's not just for David, that's for you and me? He's thinking about us. Constantly, we are on his mind. And he takes great delight in us. So what happened to Adam and Eve? They hid. Why? Because all of a sudden they became aware and they began to see God in a light that they'd never seen him before. They saw him through guilt, condemnation, and shame. So they hid. But he still shows up for the walk. Remember? Comes time for the walk, the cool of the day, the same time, every day, he still showed up. And he said, Adam, where are you? Now, let me ask you, do you think God didn't know where they were? He knew. He's asking Adam to take some. Where are you? How did you get there? They sewed fig leaves together. This is man's attempt. That's religion. To try to cover themselves and to get, and they're hiding, and, and God says, 
Adam said, we were naked, so we hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? There's always that other voice that brings condemnation and shame. Always that other voice that paints, takes a paintbrush and paints a face on God to make him appear to be some, someone he's not. That's what Adam and Eve did. They took their little paintbrush and they painted a face on God. And now he don't, he don't look like the same God because of their condition and their situation. But God's, what, what does he do? He goes and brings animal skins. He said, since you want to be covered up, come on now, listen, since you want to do that, let me help you do it right. And he clothed them in animal skins. But he had a plan. See, the, the original sin was believing the lie. That's the trouble. That's the struggle that we all have is believing the lie. I'm telling you, when we understand the depth and the extravagant of the love of the Father that he has for us, and he sees you. I tell him, you know, I'm 68. I don't have anything to prove. <laughs> I mean, I've been up. I remember going up. You, you've, many of you have heard me talk about that. When I was working on my pilot's license, I was flying to Talladega, which is like a 30-minute trip. And I get really close. I think I'm close. And I look at the low ranch and it quits working. And I'm 3,000 feet above the mountains, and there's no openings. All I can see is mountains and trees and hills and not a house, not civilization. I don't even see it. Here's the cool part. A couple of weeks before, I'd bought this little low ranch GPS for $200 at Walmart. And they discontinued them after I bought mine. Come on, you think he's on purpose? Absolutely. And I had every airport in that little GPS. I turned it on. I tell them GPS stands for God's positioning system. And uh, I know from experience. And I turned it on and punched the, the airport in. And, and I'm, I'm looking at a mountain peak on my left and a mountain peak on my right. And I'm seven miles from the airport. It's across the mountain peak to my left. So I do a coordinated turn and I... Cross over the hill, and there's Talladega Speedway. Beautiful sight because the runways are right next to it. <laughs> and I thought about what my instructor, you've heard me say it, he always told me, he said, attitude is everything. <laughs> it's all about your attitude. Straight and level. If you get nose high, you're going to stall. If you get nose low... You're going down. Come on. You following me? You understand that he is so on purpose. And when you begin to see yourself like he sees you. Let me tell you something about Adam and Eve. That, that the father was already delighted in them. He loved them. And I tell you tonight, he, he doesn't change. God is love. That's not what he does. That's his nature. That's who he is. The isness of God's love. 
So if faith works by love, and he is love, 1 John 4, 8 and verse 16 says God is love. He's been wrecking me with, a, with that love and, and overwhelming me. And, and, and I can tell you that, that he, he wants to bring us into a place where we have no idea that there's any lack in our lives. Amen. Come on. We might have a need, but let me tell you where you, he'll bring you where you have no lack. I'll give you a verse. Psalm 34, 10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Whew. That's covenant. Now, remember, I use the word covenant. This is the covenant that I'll make with you. Covenant is not like contract. Contract is, when you sign a contract with somebody, it, it means if you do what you say you're going to do, I'll do what I say I'm going to do. If you do this, I'll do that. It sounds like religion, doesn't it? Yeah. Covenant is so much. Hebrews says we have a better covenant based on better promises. Why? Because we have a kinsman redeemer. And he brought us into that covenant when he died on the cross. He brought us into that covenant. Let me tell you, when he, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose, we rose. If you then be risen with Christ. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you then, Paul said in Colossians 1, be risen, the 3, 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits, for you're dead. Dead men don't wear plaid and they don't have plans. <laughs> Come on, hang with me. Hang with me. You were dead. That means my old man died. The old man that was susceptible to the lie. that was susceptible to believe that God was not who he said he was. So it made me hide from him and it made me in fear. Let me tell you, I came to a place where I don't know if I want to be with that God or not. <laughs> but I discovered, whoa, man, <laughs> it's good at it. So let me fast forward a moment. I just got these goosebumps all over Thinking about how when he rose, we rose. But guess what? When he ascended, we did too. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. He has raised us up and made us sit together with him in heavenly places. Wow. So when you think about this picture of the Father's heart for you and me. Now let's fast forward. I know you maybe heard it, but it's always good for me to have repetition because I can, I can seal it into memory if, and, and my heart. It, it kind of makes that jump from here to here. Fast forward. Remember Peter? Peter said to Jesus when he got ready to go, he, go to the cross, he said, Peter said, I'm going with you. I'm going too. 
Jesus knew Peter's heart. He knew he had good intentions. So he said, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny that you know me three times. But I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith doesn't fail. And when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Now I want to ask you, Jesus was not talking to his failure. Neither will he focus on ours. He focused on his future. When you're, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail, that when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Look at your neighbor and tell them the best me is yet to be. Go ahead, tell them I'm going to be a sight too. Go ahead, tell them I'm going to be a sight. Yeah, it's going to be a sight. Yeah. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Come on. <laughs> Ooh. Man. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So, so Peter is following afar off when Jesus is in the kangaroo court, right? It, what they were doing, they were breaking their own law. They, they took him into the, to, before Caiaphas and they're breaking their own law because they're having court at night. They're not supposed to do that. But they'll do whatever it takes to get rid of him. Because he's a threat to their position and a, a threat to their power. So, Jesus, Peter's warming by the fire, right? Somebody says, you're one of them. Peter said, no, I'm not. Somebody else says, your, your speech gives you away. I know you're one of them. He's, no, I'm not. I don't know him. Third time. I know you're from Galilee and you're that fisherman and I've seen you with him. He cursed and said, I don't know this man. About that time, the rooster crowed. Peter, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Do you think Jesus looked at Peter with condemnation? No. no. I believe it's his eye, love. If his eyes could talk, he loves you anyway. Because he is love. Jesus said, I've come, he told Philip, he said, I've come to show you what the Father's like. So if God is love, guess what? Jesus is love. So I believe Jesus just gave him a big old hug with his eyes. Said, it's okay, Peter. I knew you'd be right here. But it's all right because you're going you're to find your way and I'm going to show you the way out. Amen. Fast forward. When he resurrects, Jesus tells them all, go and wait in Jerusalem till you be endued from power, with power from on high. Well, Peter tells about six of his buddies, seven buddies, I'm going fishing. Yeah. Now, why? And they said, we'll go with you. <laughs> now, why do you think he said, I believe he, his own heart. He didn't feel like there was any restoration he was so disenfranchised and discouraged. Let me tell you what discouragement. 
It comes to us all. But let me tell you something else. The enemy wants to bring anxiety. A wise man once told me, anxiety is meditating on life as if God does not exist. But he said, if you wait on me, if you wind your heart into mine, and you know my heart, I'll give you strength. Do you know, I've been to India, I've been to Africa, I talked about the young pastor who was trained to be a witch doctor for three years, who was transformed by a vision of Jesus and became a pastor. And, and in India, the, the former terrorist that was our, body, our security guy, that, was, that he knew the ins and outs, that spent 14 years in prison and they had to let him go because his mother prayed for him. And, and, and uh, I can tell you that one of the things that I was very attentive they always told us when you go to another country, remember the sights, the sounds, and the smells. The sights, the sounds, and the smells. I'll never forget going by so many Hindu temples. Some of them were grown over because they were abandoned. But there were some they were still using. The land, it, it, they call India the land of many gods, million gods. And but But you understand that I've never read of another religion. I don't care who's at the apex of that religion that gives. I've never read of another religion that gives. You won't find this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. You won't find that in their, in their writings anywhere. This one. I'll give you my strength. I'll give you my ability. I'll quicken you by my spirit. Peter is out fishing all night with his buddies. They don't catch anything. Sun comes up. There's a man standing on the shore. He said, children, do you have any meat? No, we fished all night. Throw your net on the right side. They did it and they caught so many fish. And, and Peter's wondering now. And John, remember John... The Bible doesn't call him John. It says the disciple that Jesus loved leaned over to Peter and said, it's Jesus. So John wrote that about himself, right? <laughs> the disciple that Jesus loved. Not that he didn't love everybody else, but John had a revelation. And Peter, not like Adam, right? Adam's hiding. Peter throws his coat on it and jumps in and does a sprint to the shoreline where Jesus is. What's the difference? Both of them had missed it. Adam had missed it, but he's hiding. Peter had missed it, but he's running. He's, <laughs> I want to be first. And they're, come on, you understand there's something different about their idea, their perspective of the Father, of Jesus. Something different.
because Peter had spent time with Jesus and he discovered a Savior who looked at the woman caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and be free from the hamartia. Become who you were created to be. Sin no more is what he said. She was empowered to do that. You know why? Because she discovered who she was. She discovered her true identity. She discovered that she was deeply loved. Wow. So Jesus is sitting there. He's got bread and fish, right? Bring some of the fish you caught. And after they finish eating, Jesus looks at Peter. Peter, son of Simon Barjona. That was the name he had before Jesus called him Peter. You've got to see what Jesus is doing now. He's not just calling him that just because that's his name. Peter said, you know I love you. Second time, Peter, son of Simon, Simon Barjona, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Third time. Every time Jesus would say, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now he's talking to the guy that denied him. Feed my sheep. Jesus knew something about Peter. Peter had not yet discovered about himself. What I want you to understand is that he knows something about us that we have not yet discovered. But he wants us to know. So he says the third time, do you love me, Peter? Peter wept, said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Here's what I believe he was saying. And I'm going to end with this. We're right back where we started, Peter. If you read how Jesus, how Peter met Jesus, it was after he had fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, throw your net on the right side. Remember, Peter, we've been here before. We're right back where we started. But I want you to know I haven't changed my mind about you. I haven't changed my mind. The plan hasn't changed. I still love you. And I know you love me. So I want you to find yourself in a place of wholeness and healing and forgiveness. Do you understand that sometimes we have a harder time forgiving ourselves? We have a harder time. We're harder on ourselves sometimes than... It's like the snowman, you know. <laughs> Another snowman, you know, you know what happened to the snowman when they put him under a lot of pressure and turned the heat up, right? He had a complete meltdown. <laughs> That's another deer stand dad joke, okay? Forgive me. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I just love living. I love life. I love... I love being in church. I love, I love him. And, and you understand that he loves you. Amen. He's not going to... He'll, he'll, he'll help you. He'll, he'll heal you from your failure. And he'll speak to your future. Wow. I want you to stand with me.
Any qu- what? Wait. Anybody got a question or comment? That's exactly fried chicken, yeah. Yeah. Like the guy that said, you know why they call me rooster? I said, no. He said, because. Absolutely. That's a That that's 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 a valid point because sometimes it's only in our brokenness. Only when we become broken. It's not pride or arrogance, it's confidence. And Peter discovered a confidence that caused him to say, I don't want to be crucified upside like like my savior. I want you to do it upside down. It's amazing. So anyone else? I have one question about the word weight. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, they that wait upon the Lord, it means to bind or to twist together. It's like it's like when you're waiting on the Lord, you're actually your heart is becoming entwined with his will. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So so absolutely. That's what Paul was talking about in Colossians uh, in Galatians when he said you were united in union with the anointed one, Jesus. That's like being, and I'm telling you, when you get to that place where your, your heart becomes really braided to His, there's this holy boldness, and there's this ability to, to uh, understand that there's, there's no limit. Because Paul is in jail, right? He's in jail and the rattling of the, of the Romans that's guarding him, the chains, they got him chained. And he's writing a letter to the Philippians in chapter 413. It records these words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow. So it, don't, it doesn't matter whatever is holding you back. If, if you're in Him, nothing can hold you back. Amen. Anyone else? This is, I, love the, I love the comments and the questions. Nobody, I left nobody confused, right? Everybody good? Awesome, awesome. I pray, Lord, help me to declare the simplicity of the gospel. And I can tell you, the good news is probably better than we thought it was. So I love you dearly. Every one of you, I love you. I'm so grateful that you're here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, let's see. Somebody has prepared refreshments. I bought my wife a card yesterday. It was her birthday. Happy 
And the card said, to, happy birthday to my wife, the woman that I would do anything for. And you opened it up and it said, I probably wouldn't get it right the first time, but I definitely do it. Hey, can I get a witness, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> but we've been married 47 years. He laughed. He said, that's exactly right. So uh, I, I know I've had to pick the right one, but, but 